Good morning, a Thursday morning of Bible study. We are uh, only three days left of Bible study and uh, services. So thank you, thank you for being here. Um, I don't know about you, I have so much gained um, from what our evangelists have been preaching. Have you this week? Have you gained from what our evangelists have been preaching? No, the Lord has been speaking. And I thought last night Steve's message on prayer really uh, led us. And so I want to uh, kind of follow that this morning, uh, not only in the lesson uh, this morning. This morning's study is follows right on the heels of that. So the Lord's perfect uh, meshing of uh, all the truth this week. Uh, but I'd like to just follow his admonition and just begin with prayer this morning for the word in our lives. I'm praying this morning from Ephesians chapter 1. One of my favorite things to do is just pray what the prayer of the scripture says. So Paul prays there in Ephesians chapter 1, and he says, I pray that the God and our Father, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Would you this morning, Lord, enlighten us by the word, by your spirit, we need you. We need in these days the eyes of our hearts to be opened. And I pray that just under this tabernacle and within the sound of the speakers this morning, the loudspeakers, there would just be an enlightening all over this grounds uh, today. Uh, in the services, on the hill, in the youth tabernacle this morning, in the tiny tots, in the children's building, in the cafeteria, would you just flood us, as one translation says, flood our eyes and our hearts with light. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, we're back uh, finishing 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, and then for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we'll be in chapter 4. So we're looking at those final verses of 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're picking up where we left off yesterday in verse 15. But before I do that, I just feel compelled this morning to follow up with where Steve was pointing us last night that when is the spiritual battle taking place? If you said always, you're correct, right? How long is it going to take place? Till Jesus comes back. Amen. So we should be ready for that, right? ready for that second coming and prepared, as he talked to us last night, always aware of the spiritual battle, amen? If you're not aware that you're in a battle, you're in trouble. I always picture Gomer Pyle. Does anybody remember Gomer Pyle? You know, golly, right? So uh, I imagine, Go you know, Gomer Pyle um, in Iraq or Afghanistan would not be a good thing, right? Can you imagine sending Gomer Pyle into the hot zone and he's just kind of wandering around saying, well, golly, that would not be, he, he's, he's probably not going to make it, all right? Sorry, Gomer. But uh, if you're not aware of the spiritual battle, you're in trouble because the enemy is always aware of the spiritual battle if we're not aware. And, and a lot of times, as Steve said, we're getting distracted from that. And the, the things of life and, and Todd shared about that beautifully this morning in a morning prayer meeting. If we're not aware, which our, our distraction level sometimes, especially in our culture, you know, one of the great things about camp meeting is we can come and be focused. That's, that's wonderful, isn't it? For 10 days, we get here and we get focused. And uh, 
You go to Hollow Rock Camp Meany and you have no cell signal, so you're really focused, all right? So, uh, but uh, here at Psyker, we get to be on the grounds and we're here and we're focused. But next, you know, Monday, or in our case, Sunday night, we're driving home and we're going back to all the things at home. And, you know, they get the bombardment of activities and life and grass to be, we got to go back and mow grass next week. Don't we? so, so grass and uh, taking care of things and issues and family. So the spiritual battle's real. So it will be well for us this morning and all day today and in the remaining days of camp to let the Lord just enlighten us to this. Because Paul is not shy here in this letter for Timothy as he's warning him and trying to help him. Remember, this is father to son. This is last words. I want to tell you what's really important here. And in this letter, the spiritual battle thing, he's just, if you go, I'm off script this morning, but if you go back to chapter 2, he says in verse 3, you must endure hardship as what? A good soldier of Jesus Christ. Good soldier. He says in verse, chapter 2, verse 4 of 2 Timothy, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. It's warfare language. Uh, tomorrow, well, tomorrow and the next day, we'll look at in chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight, right? He's into this warfare. At the end of chapter 2, verse 26, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare. That, that word in Greek is about setting a trap. Setting a trap. Is, is Satan trying to entrap us? Is he trying to trip us up this morning? Is that, you know, that, that lion who is roaming, seeking, it is active today, right now. Is, is, it, is the spiritual battle going on in this hour under this tabernacle? going on back in your cabin is it it is always happening so to me that all the more underscores what paul's saying here and this call if we are if we're going to have victory which the victory is ours in jesus christ amen because in colossians 1 it says here colossians 2 he disarmed principalities and powers at the cross so you realize this morning what paul said in, in second timothy 1 7 god has not given us a spirit of fear but of what you know power love and a sound mind so we don't need to be afraid of the spiritual battle is that right this morning amen not we're not afraid because we're already victors so satan's been disarmed but you know that god for his purposes has only left the enemy with one ability he's been stripped of his power but he's been left with one ability and what is that to deceive us to deceive so the spiritual battle is not a power battle. We're going to talk this morning about power. The spiritual battle is not about power, right? It's not about being strong and powerful. You know, sometimes I, I heard Christian brothers in the past say, just give the devil a black eye, which is, I mean, that's okay. But for one thing, if you're up that close to him, you don't want to be that close to him, right? <laughs> spiritual battle is not a power battle. It is a truth battle. Is that right this morning? Neil Anderson wrote some materials that have been very valuable to, to Trina and me and our family in some counseling called The Bondage Breaker. And uh, I recommend those materials because um, he talks in those books about how it's a truth battle and our spiritual freedom and victory over the things we struggle with in our spiritual life is not about being, it's about the truth, knowing the truth. That's why that prayer in Ephesians 1, that God may bring us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him and the eyes of our understanding will be open to what's true. 
And that leads us to why the word is so important in our lives, right? Because this is what's true. Amen? So we have to stand on what's true. So the spiritual battle, the victory for us is in prayer and in the word. So it's quite simple, isn't it? When we go home next week, if we want Psyker to continue in our lives through the next year, which we do, right? We, we need that through the year. It's not just come to camp meeting and have a great time. We need the moving of God in our lives through this year. We need to just stick to the simplicity of being into prayer and the word and walking with him. So to that end, I'd like to go ahead and read these verses. Paul is almost saying that exact thing to Timothy here in these final verses in chapter 3. I'll, I'll back up um, to verse 14, if I may, and we'll go down through verse 17 at the end of chapter 3. But you, picking up on yesterday, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so then he goes into chapter 4 and he says those famous words, so preach the word. <laughs> so do you see the emphasis on the scriptures, on the word? Son, I'm getting ready to go to heaven, but it's imperative, it's imperative for you to remain in the scriptures, in the word, and to preach that word in your life, uh, in your life and in your ministry. So that's where your power is going to be. Now, in our society, we're very focused on power. You know, yesterday we talked about progress. We're also focused on power. Anybody remember Tim? Anybody like Tim Allen? Remember, you know, he'd say, more power. Uh, 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 right? <laughs> we're very focused on power in our society. Where's your power come from? We're into physical power. We're into mechanical power. We're into political power, Right? Where can we have power and influence? Paul says, basically, Timothy, you know where your power is going to come from in your life and ministry? Your power in your life and in your ministry is going to come from the word. Isn't that simple? You want, power, you want God's power in your life? Your power is going to come from his word. So we like to talk about that. So notice there in verse 15, he talks about the holy scriptures and he says, the scriptures, just simply, he says, the holy scriptures which are able. So I, I just remember that phrase in your, in your mind. The word is able. Would you be willing to say that with me this morning? The word is able. That sounded so good. Say it again. The word is able. That word able and, and you, many of you have been in church a long time, so you've heard pastors and teachers use Greek words a lot. The verb is able is the Greek word dunamai, the Greek verb dunamai, which comes from the noun dunamis. And a lot of people make the point that dunamis or dunamai is the Greek word from which we derive the English word. A lot of English words come from Greek words or Latin. Dynamite. Dynamite. I know a lot about that because um, when I was in first grade, remember I told you about Mrs. B about, did I tell you about that in first grade? So in my first grade class, there were four Johns. 
or four Johns. So in order to distinguish between the four Johns, she gave each of us a designator. So only one of us got to be called John, and then the rest of us got to be called something else. I didn't get John. So what she chose, since my initials are JJ, me and Steve know about these alliterative uh, uh, you know, initials. So since I was JJ, my first grade teacher called me JJ in first grade, and then that stuck all through elementary school. Every kid in my junior high knew me as JJ. Now, this was in the 1970s. Does anybody know a TV show that was on in the 1970s where the word dynamite was used? <laughs> anyway, that's a side story. That was for free. All right. Dynamite. Yeah, he's doing Medicare commercials now. So. <laughs> that's right. Dynamite. So in other words, I mean, think about what he's saying. The word is able. The word is powerful. Do you know the reason why we are so set on preaching the word in our churches? Do you know why in the Protestant church, have you ever noticed, like you've been to, do you know why the pulpit is so prominent in, in a camp meeting or in the Protestant church, do you notice in our architecture where the pulpit, where's the pulpit placed in our architecture? Front and center. Why? Because what we're saying is we believe and we hold high the preaching of the word. Why? Because we say, what we're saying is we believe that it is the word that is able. Right? Are you all with me? Word's able. Now, God can speak any way he wants. Amen? God can speak to us through worship. A lot of people, and we are included, believe that God ministers through the sacraments. God can speak through fellowship. I mean, God spoke to me when I wrecked my car one night when I was a teenager. And I heard an almost audible voice that asked me a question when I didn't know him. And God can speak to us anyway. But we believe, the reason we're so sold on this is because we believe the primary way God speaks to us is through the word. It is the word that is able. It is the word that changes lives. Amen? In, in ministry, you know, we, I like to say in ministry, you know, people say I've been around the block a few times. I've been around the block once now, right? And in ministry, one thing I've observed in my own life and in the life of people, we pastored for eight years, and, you know, there's accountability groups and stuff like that. And one thing I noticed about accountability groups, and this is why we did, that, did this when we pastored. Um, when we pastored, we started small groups, and, and, and what we called them, I probably shared this before, we called it a word group, and what we simply do every week was these families, or a few of us families, we get together, and what we do is we would just go around the circle. This was, this was our small group. We'd have fellowship and icebreaker and stuff. Then we go around the circle, and everybody's just going to share, where were you in the word this week? Tell us about where you were in the word and any insights, and it was just a weekly account. Of, ours was Monday nights few families with kids. We had the kids in the room. This was great. Kids are there, and, uh, you know, they get to go play afterward. But for the sharing time, all the kids are there. We do the ice, some silly icebreaker, and then we go around the circle. Where were you in the Word this week? Here's where I was. Here's where I was in the Word this week. Here's where I was in the Word this week. This is what the Lord spoke to me through the Word this week. And it was a weekly accountability to be in the Word. By the way, some of the most powerful sharing in that group came from the kids. Little Kylie was, you know, eight years old or something. This, this is what God, I, I read this about in God's Word this week, and we share. And the reason we did that is because I came, we came to found in our pastoral ministry 
that it's when people are into the word that their lives change. I've seen lots of accountability groups over the years, and I'm please hear this is no criticism of, of anything, but I've seen lots of accountability groups over the years where like guys get together and you know we're accountable to each other. And basically every week we get together and share about our failures, you know, which is okay. And we share about our, and then next week we come back and share about well, we share about our failures, and next week we share about our failures, and next week share about our failures. And one one question of mine was what what changes us? <laughs> And what I found is when people get into the word in their lives, that's what changes us. Why? Because what? The word is able. So I really believe that, that a strong part of sanctification, if we really believe that sanctification is an ongoing thing in our lives, it is so needed for us to be into the word. The word is able. Now, it's not the same word in Greek, but it's the same concept when Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, you know this verse, says the word of God is, you know this verse, memory verse, the word of God is living and powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow, the word is really does a lot there. It's powerful. It'll pierce you. It'll expose you. Wow, we'll unpack that a little bit in a more in a moment. So what's, what's really wonderful about that, and I'm speaking to you um, in this moment, I'm just going to put on my preacher hat for just a second this morning, um, not just as a Christian, but as a, as a teacher or preacher, I want you to know there's great freedom in that for me personally. That it's the word that's able, and it doesn't have to be John that's able. Because if it has to be John that's able, and anybody who preaches or teaches or does children's church or Sunday school, you can relate to this. If it's up to me to wow the crowd, or if it's up to me to keep everybody's attention, or if it's up to me to kind of really move people's hearts, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to do. You know what I mean? Especially in a crowd, like look at how varied we are even here this morning. And that's not to mention an evening service. We got the youth in here and children. I mean, how in the world am I going to stand up here or here or in front of children's church and possibly say anything that's going to make a difference in all those people's lives? That's a lot of pressure. Which is one reason why I heard years ago that being a pastor is the second highest health risk profession. heart disease, stress. I think number one is lawyers because everybody wants to hurt them. But I don't, I'm not sure if that's, that's not verified. But There's a lot of pressure, right? Can you, can you feel that? If I'm a children's church teacher, oh, i got to come through. If I'm a youth leader, oh, and you know, youth ministry, you always have to come up with new bells and whistles. I'm a preacher, I always got to come up with, you know, it's always got to up the ante. You always got to, but listen. If it's the word that's able and not me, then the pressure's off me. Amen? It's almost a can't-lose thing because God is faithful to his word. One thing I've been praying lately, and, and I had a discussion this week with somebody, what if, what if God's anointing is not on the preacher? What if the anointing is on his word? He anoints his word. And so anybody who's into his word and presents his word, that's going to be the anointing. <laughs> it's his word can you say it with me again? The word is able. The word is able. 
And especially imagine what that would have been like for a young pastor, Timothy. Timothy, just remember, it's the word that's able. Now, what is the word able to do? In verse 15, he goes on to say, what's it able to do? The word is able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So if you'll allow it, the word is powerful and able to make you wise into salvation. Now, as a side note, we already know from Jesus in John 17 that the word can sanctify us. Remember Jesus prayed that in John 17? Jesus said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Paul talks in Ephesians 5 about the washing of water through the word. So I, I'm just going to say this this morning, everybody, we, in love and kindness and, and grace, if we want ongoing sanctification in our lives, the word is irreplaceable in that, right? If I want to grow, y'all want to grow? I want to grow, right? I want to grow in my life. I want to keep being sanctified. I want God. I want to come back to Syker next year and have this testimony of, man, you can't believe what God did in my life this year, right? Anybody want to stay where you are this year? No, thanks. I'm just going to stay where I am. The word is necessary for our sanctification. So what he says here then, in addition to that, it is will make you wise for salvation, Wise, not worldly wisdom, because you, you know there's a worldly wisdom, right? Everybody knows, and Paul talks about this in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2. There's a worldly wisdom, but then there's a godly wisdom. Anybody want godly wisdom in your life? You know, the kind of thing where God can show you stuff that I don't know, and he can show me what I don't see yet. He can kind of give me his mind and his view and his perspective. So in contrast to the, the wisdom of this world, which tends to be very arrogant, it's that know-it-all, hey, I got this together, watch me, hey, follow me, I, I, I'm no, no, I'm, no worries, I got it all together. We're talking about the spiritual wisdom. And again, if you, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, chapter one and two, he talks about all that kind of thing. He talks about how in 1 Corinthians 1.25, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 27 in chapter 1 of Corinthians, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. He makes this contrast between godly wisdom or spiritual wisdom and worldly wisdom. He says in chapter 2, verse 6, 1 Corinthians, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, hear that, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God has ordained before the ages for our glory. So there's a, there's a godly wisdom that the world can't get. Just by having human smarts, there's a whole bunch of you this morning that are really smart, all right? We're all, you know, this is a smart crowd. You came to Camp Psyker. You're really smart, all right? But this is not human wisdom. This is spiritual wisdom. So how do you get that spiritual wisdom? Ah, verse 10. God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. And, and how does God give us that kind of deep, that deep spiritual wisdom that you've seen what the world can't see? Seeing, how does God do that? It's through the word. Paul says, Timothy, it's the scriptures which are able to make you wise into salvation. The scriptures, you want that? And the Psalms talks about this quite a bit. One of the great Psalms, Psalm 119, talks about scripture quite a bit. If you've ever read it before or heard of it, Psalm 119 talks a lot 
about the Word of God and, and uh, the benefits of the Word of God all throughout Psalm uh, 119. And in Psalm 119, verses, verses 130, it's a really long psalm. He says, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. It is your word that brings light. Which is back to our prayer in Ephesians 1. Oh Lord, please give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let the eyes of our understanding be flooded with light. So it's the word that does that. Anybody want light in your life? Want light in your family, spiritual light, spiritual wisdom. There's a lot of things I can pray for my kids and did I mention on my grandfather? A lot of things I can pray for my granddaughter. I pray for her college, I pray for her future husband. We should pray all of those things, but what I isn't it true that what I really want to pray for my kids most of all is spiritual light in their lives. I'll pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Pray that they would know you, Jesus. I pray that they would not just have worldly wisdom and, and knowledge that they learn in school and life, but I pray that they would have spiritual wisdom and understanding. I, chose a, I choose a scripture to pray for each of my family members. Probably shared that before. Um, Kylie, that, that's... Ephesians 1 prayer is Kylie. Ephesians 3 prayer is Carrie. Baby Charlotte now gets Philippians chapter 4. It's my prayer for my granddaughter. God, would you give my kids spiritual wisdom? How much we need in our day spiritual wisdom and understanding. And it is the word that does it. Because, what's our phrase this morning? The word is able. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God can do something powerful, dynamic, dunamis, <laughs> through his word in our lives? And I know that because you believe that, you're going to come to service at 1030 when Steve preaches, and you're going to come to service at 730 tonight when Bert preaches, and you're coming ready tonight, front edge your seat, because you believe tonight with me that the word of God is going to do something in our services today. Amen? Say it again. The word is able in our lives. So it's going to give us spiritual light. It's able to give you, it's able to make you wise into salvation. And when we get this spiritual light, what are we going to see? What are we going to see? What are our eyes going to be open to? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. When Paul said back there in 1 Corinthians 2, the Spirit's going to show you the deep things of God. I mean, you know, the Spirit's going to reveal to you the deep things of God. You're going to look in his word. You're going to start to see things. Man, has that ever happened to you? You ever read the scripture and, and prayed like Steve talked to us about? You start praying, and, and, and all of a sudden in scripture you start to go, wow, I never saw that before. You know, the V8 thing. Wow, I'm seeing stuff I never saw before. That's the, he's showing me deeper things. And when God shows me deeper things in his word, what's he going to reveal? Jesus, because he is the living word, which is reflected in this written word, Jesus. So in that phrase in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> uh, chapter 3, verse 15, wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All the focus is on Jesus there. It's hard to describe in the grammar. It's very complex grammar in the Greek. Uh, 
We're going to have a seminar on that at 2.30 if anybody wants to. No, I'm just kidding. But it's all focused on, on the person of Jesus in there. Which, by the way, is the great need of our day, isn't it? I don't know about you. I believe that in our churches and our lives and the Christian ministry, we need to get back to a focus on Jesus like the early church had. You ever read Acts? I invite you to read the first 10 chapters of Ask, Acts. Ask, Acts. And ask yourself this question. What did those folks preach about in the book of Acts? And what you'll find is consistently their message was Christ. You ever notice that? They preached Jesus. By the way, do you know what they got in trouble for in the, like, Acts chapter 4 and 5? Any, anybody know what they got in trouble for? Preaching Jesus. That's right. Don't you dare bring him in there, flog him, threaten him, arrest him, throw him in jail. Don't you dare. Pre- I mean, if you want to have nice Sunday school lessons, that's fine. You want to talk about morality, that's fine. You want to talk about uh, how to be a better person, that's fine. You want to talk about the law, that's fine. Don't preach Christ. I want you to know that part of the spiritual battle that we're going to face that they always have, we always have in the church, is the enemy does not want us to focus on or preach Christ. You've heard me say before, it's the ABC straight, anything but Christ. Anything but Christ. So Paul says, hey, Timothy, the reason to get into the Word is you are going to see Jesus Christ. And there's a whole bunch more to talk about in this. I think I'm going to go light on this so I can get to some important things in verse 16 here. But I want you to know this morning when he says, um, through, um, through faith which is in Christ Jesus, that word in there, the preposition in, that literally means the means or the instrument. So not only is Jesus the focus of our faith, he's the means of our faith. So he's the one that provides the faith. I mean, isn't it true this morning? We depend upon Jesus for everything, amen? In my life, we're simply the branches, and he's the vine, and he provides. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus provides everything? He is our complete source, isn't he, for everything in my life. Just abide in him and he in us, and we'll see the fruit in our lives. So it's so vital, Timothy, we've got to, if I could say it simply almost, verse 15, Timothy, remain in your focus on Jesus Christ and his word. And do you know this morning, church family, beloved, do you know this morning every single time the church has gotten back to that kind of focus, you know what's happened in the church? Revival. Prayer. Focus on Jesus, his word, revival. Do you know what's happened every single time in church history we've gotten away from those simple things? It's been a downturn. But when we get back to a focus on Jesus and his word, revival. So look quickly this morning. At verse 16, he explains a little more I love this, I love this, of what he'll do through his word in our lives. He's going to reveal Jesus, and what will he do powerfully in our lives through the word if, he, if we will allow him to do so. So in verse 16, he names four things. All scripture is given by inspiration, is profitable for, and he lists four things that the word is able to do in our lives. 
You see them there? Verse 16. It's profitable for doctrine. I'm going to say it in the King James language here, and then I'll come back. In New King James says, doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Let me unpack those just a little bit for just a few moments, just each of them briefly. Because I don't mean any offense to this, but sometimes the King Jamesy language is, doesn't always communicate it. This is New King James, but sometimes I find going a little deeper helps me understand it a little better. And some of your translations do that. When he says doctrine, he simply means good teaching or understanding. The word, you want to have good understanding in your life? You want to have good doctrine? We're going to talk about that tomorrow, some solid meat. Anybody want to go to church and get fluff? Some churches are doing that these days. We'll talk about that tomorrow. The dessert bar. Well, does anybody remember my son's favorite restaurant when we were traveling together? Golden Corral, that's right. Golden Corral. Do you like that? Isn't the dessert bar golden? You can just like go in and go right over there. Golden Corral. But I don't know about you. Sometimes you're hungry. You're hungry for some good, solid meat, right? Protein. You want protein? You want to grow? You want to be strengthened? You need protein to be strong, right? You can ask like Carl and Blaine and those guys about being strong and Doug about being growing muscle mass. You want, to, you, want to be, you want to be a strong Christian? The Word, right? The protein and meat and, and, and strength for our lives comes from the Word. Do we need to talk about this? Are we an anemic church in our day? In America, are we becoming or have we become an anemic church? Weak, powerless, and anemic. Could it be that part of the answer is we need to get some meat in us? We need to get some meat. Now, I know I'm nobody to talk. We need to get some meat on our bones, all right? Right? The word. Because what's our phrase this morning? The word is able. Okay, secondly, so the word is profitable for doctrine. Secondly, the word is profitable for reproof. Oh, I, this is, you guys might want, we might want to be dismissed right now. The best way to translate the word reproof from the Greek is, you're not going to like this, conviction or exposure. Anybody come to church? Anybody want to come to 1030 service to be convicted this morning? I mean, that's not why I come to church, right? You don't come to church to be convicted. I come to church to be encouraged and to feel better, right? That's why I love sermons at church that don't convict me. You know the kind of sermons I I love sermons at my church when the pastor preaches on don't smoke cigarettes. 
Those are great sermons, great sermons. Pastor, preach that again. Don't smoke. You know why? Because I don't smoke cigarettes. So it's really great. I could just sit back and say, God bless that. I feel wonderful about myself. I sure hope those recovery guys are listening. Don't smoke cigarettes. It's wonderful to go to church and not be convicted. Amen? Anybody want to come to 1030 service and be convicted this morning? That's why we come, right? That's the reason we come to camp meeting. Because we want to be encouraged, I understand that. But isn't it true this morning that true encouragement comes out of God working in your life? When God does deep work in your life, that's what encourages. That's what feeds you. That's what really strengthens you. It's not just some fluff or not just some, something that, that's why I appreciate the preaching we've been hearing from Bert and, and Steve, is real, real truth and conviction and deep stuff. That's, that's what will lift you, right? That's what will grow a church. We've got it backwards in America. We got it backwards. We think don't convict anybody, make it feel good, and that'll attract big crowds and we'll grow. What's happening is it's go I mean, we may have bigger crowds, but we're growing more and more anemic. You want real? This is conviction. So whew, I'm just watching the time here. Because we got about an hour left to talk just on this point right here. Do you remember what Hebrews 4:12 said? The word of God is what? living and powerful, and what? What's the analogy he makes? It is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it pierces even to the division. This sounds like it hurts, right? To the division, this sounds painful, to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. In other words, it gets down deep inside of you. It'll just pierce right through you. It'll get down to your innards. It's going to go down to the deepest parts of you. And it is going to be a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So here, here's what we're inviting you to. Let, let's be honest, all right? Let's, let's just be upfront about this. Let, let's, uh, I believe in you know, honesty in, uh, in advertising, don't you? You believe in that? So here's what we're inviting you to at 1030 service. So if you want to go back to your cabin, we'll understand. But here, here's what we're inviting you to. We're inviting you to come to 1030 service, come to 730 service tonight, and we're inviting you to come in here and let God's word pierce deep into your innards and expose you. Anybody up for that? <laughs> and to reveal what's going on inside of me, like we talked about on, on my first day on, on, uh, on Saturday. To expose us. Not just surface, not just, that's nice, not just turn off the, turn off the dashboard lights. I had somebody tell me the other day, some, you know, I don't, I don't get mine turned off. I just put electrical tape over the dashboard lights so I don't see them anymore. Expose me. That's why this word, this word in 2 Timothy about reproof, you know, conviction and exposure... This is the same word that's used like in Hebrews, I'm, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. Verse 13 of Ephesians 5, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, and whatever makes manifest is light. It's the same word that's used in John chapter 3, verse 20, when Jesus said, everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Same word. And so what Paul's saying is, Timothy, one reason the word is so needed and powerful 
and necessary in our lives is because it is the word that really exposes you. You can walk through your life deceived. You can walk through your life just kind of, you know, thinking I'm, I'm great and everything's well. But when you get up close to Jesus and the word, he starts to reveal the stuff that's really going on in your life. Anybody want that? <laughs> I thought you all stand up and applaud or something like that, you know. But that, that's what the word does. The word is profitable for doctrine, reproof, meaning conviction and exposure, and it is profitable for correction. In other words, setting things straight. Anybody got anything in your life that needs to be set straight? I mean, honestly, this morning, we're a bunch of people that have it all together today, aren't we? I mean, we just, everybody, everybody here got it all together. I mean, we're all sanctified people. That when Everybody knows when you get entirely sanctified, you just stand up from that altar as a perfect specimen of humanity, right? God has to set some things straight in my life. It's the word that does that. And finally, I'll just close with this one. The word is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. That word literally means a chastening. It's the same word that's used in Hebrews chapter 12. Boy, this is, this is something this morning, isn't it? Chastening, like correcting us, like a father lovingly corrects his child. Hebrews 12 talks about no chastening is joyful for the present. Boy, can I testify to that? I don't, I don't, I don't anybody jump up and down when you're chasing? Oh, can't wait to be chastened. Can't wait to be corrected on things. No, pro- no chastening is joyful for the present, but painful. But afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. He says in verse 10, He does that for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. It's the word that does that. If I want, if I want his correction and his, his teaching and his working in my life, be into the word. Now quickly, I've got about three or four minutes. If you and I are to allow this to happen in our lives, and this is a big if, right? This is a, this is a, a response. This is a choice on our part. Because let's face it, when we come to 1030 service in about 15 minutes from now, well, 20 minutes from now, we're going to have a choice on, on how we approach it and on our attitude, right? See, a lot of church is about attitude. A lot of the Christian life is about heart and attitude, isn't it? You with me on that? You know, I joke around about Clint Eastwood and all that. And I, you know, it's not about, you know, then people get self-conscious about, you know, I don't want to fold my arms in church because John's watching, you know, kind of thing. It's not, about the, it's not about that. It's about more the attitude, right, when I come to service. So there, we have a choice in attitude. If I'm going to allow in the service to come and tonight and the rest of this weekend, if I'm going to allow the word to work powerfully in my life and over the next year, it's going to require an attitude. Part of the attitude is quickly when he says in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. How much scripture? Did you hear what Bert gave us a brilliant translation the other day of the Greek word all? Does anybody remember what it is? It's all, right? All scripture. In other words, I don't pick and choose. In other words, it doesn't matter what the guys are going to preach today from the scripture. 
I'm coming ready for God to speak to me. It's not, oh, I like that passage. I don't like that passage. Well, that agrees with my theology. Well, that doesn't agree with my theology. Listen, I'm coming this morning not to impose what I think on the Word. I want the Word to impose what God thinks on me, right? Anybody want to be imposed upon today? <laughs> Lord, you impose what you think don't let me impose on you. You impose what you think on me. All Scripture is given by God and profitable. Now, secondly, and I'll finish with this, I promise. For I don't know how many years to say I'd read this passage, and I thought Paul was giving Timothy instruction about how to help other people with the Word. Timothy, you're going to be a pastor you got to preach the word because scripture is profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction and righteousness. And you need to really help those people in your church in Ephesus with the scripture. And the scripture is going to be really good for you giving it to them for what it needs to do in their lives. And what I finally dawned on me in this passage is Paul was not saying, Timothy, these things are for them. These things are for you. <laughs> you know who needs this most? You do. I do. So the invitation this morning is, of this very day, of this very camp meeting, the invitation of the holiness life is, who would be first in line to let God do this in me? Lord, I need the meat of the word. I need exposure. I need things set straight in my life. I need to be chastened and corrected this morning by your grace and by your holiness and by your love. I need it. I need it. And God, I sure do pray that the teens and I sure do pray that other people, but Lord, I this morning, who would join me this morning in saying for the rest of this day, Lord Jesus, I am willing to be first in line. I'm willing. Hey, if you're going to come to the altar this morning, you're going to have to beat me there. I'm willing to be first. I'm willing for you to work powerfully in me. Because, can we say it one more time this morning? What is true this morning? The word is able, and I want to assure you, it's able this morning at 1030. It's able in your cabin. It's able at 730 tonight. And it is able when you go home Sunday night or Monday and all through the next year. I want to promise you. And encourage you and admonish you that the word is able in your life and in mine. Jesus, thank you for that. Thank you that it doesn't depend upon us. Thank you that we don't have to figure it out. And uh, it's not about bells and whistles or trying to wow the crowd. Thank you for the ability of the word. And I, I just pray that we would be moved as a people. Moved, God. I pray you give us a hunger in our lives for to pray like Steve talked to us and to be a people that are focused on, on the lordship of Jesus Christ and we be a people of the word more than we ever have been over this next year. God, I, God I, I, I'm praying for a revival of the word, a return to the word in our lives over this next year. Greater hunger. We, we, God, God, honestly, this morning, we may not know altogether how, but it's not about the how, it's just about the heart. And you'll show us the way, God. And I, I just pray today you stir us. And I, I certainly am praying in your name for Steve this morning as you speak your word through him. 
you'll do your work in us through your word. And through Bert tonight, do your work in our hearts through your word. And Jesus, I commit to be first in line. First in line for that. Thank you. We love you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you in a few minutes.